Welcome again to another session of Explore the Bible series. This is Larry Bertrand. We're looking at the book of Ezekiel. This is the third lesson scheduled to be studied on December 19th, 2021. God judges those who reject him as Lord. Key passage for today is Ezekiel 20 verses 1 through 14, and the key verse is Ezekiel 24, 14, I, the Lord, have spoken. The time has come for me to act. I will not hold back. I will not have pity, nor will I relent. You will be judged according to your conduct and your actions, declares the sovereign Lord. So as we look at Ezekiel 20, verses 1 to 14, we'll note God's faithfulness to the sinful, rebellious children of Israel. We'll note also that despite the children of Israel's rebellion, God was faithful to keep his promises. And we're going to reflect on how the celebration of Jesus' birth reminds us as we're in the week before Christmas, reminds us of God's love, even when we are disobedient to him. This week, we're going to recognize that repeated rebellion against God leads to facing his judgment. So can you recall a time when you were surprised by the response of another person? Uh, maybe you were, you were surprised that it's been a long time since this happened, but Major League Baseball uh, had a lockout and the current uh, because of the current lack of agreement. And so in early December, the collective bargaining agreement between Major League Baseball and uh, the Major League Baseball Players Association expired, causing a lockout or a workout uh, shortage, stoppage. Uh, it's the first in more than 25 years. Wow. Couldn't believe it was that long ago. The lockout means all player activity stops from uh, from all Major League Baseball. No free agent signings, no use of team facilities, no trades can happen, no contracts can get processed, agents don't meet with their clients, teams can't speak to the media. Both sides have been in negotiation for several months discussing items such as rule changes and player arbitration, salaries, uh, the postseason, what to do with the postseason and the player's time in the major leagues and so forth. So the two sides are hopeful that about coming to an agreement by early February or signing uh, our spring training camp uh, could be delayed if they don't come to an agreement. So do do you think either side is surprised by the response of the other side? <laughs> it's hard to know. Today, we're going to look at a group that approached God and were surprised by his response. Uh, I want you to consider during today's study why the people who approach God should not have been surprised by his response. We'll see that their behavior warranted the response that God gave them. So Ezekiel shared about a time when some elders approached him 
to inquire of God with the expectation that God would respond. But God's response wasn't what they expected today. We'll see the consequences of continued disobedience to God. Disobedience always uh, brings us to consequences in our relationship with God. <clears throat> so as we look at the, the broader context of this passage, it's uh, Ezekiel 20 all the way to 24, uh, verse 27. We see that some elders came to Ezekiel to seek God's counsel, but the Lord refused to answer them. Ezekiel re, uh, rehearsed uh, the sad, sinful history of God's people. And he tells them how the Lord had delivered them from slavery in Egypt, but they would not lay aside the idols they had served there. God led them from Egypt into the wilderness, but their sin continued. God warned he would scatter them among the nations, but they continued to rebel. Ezekiel's generation had followed the wickedness of its ancestors, so God would not respond. Yet one day, he would have compassion on his people and restore them to the land. So Ezekiel prophesied that God's judgment would come with increasing intensity. Ezekiel also announced the judgment of the Ammonites uh, whose land bordered Israel to the east. Ezekiel decreed Israel's wickedness. He said the people were guilty of bloodshed. They had defiled the land with their idols. Uh, evil rulers, rulers pursued their own prophet. Citizens oppressed foreigners and refused to honor the Sabbath. Ezekiel warned that God would scatter them among the nations. The Lord likened his people to dross, the impurities that separated them, uh, separated from the molten silver or gold. And so the prophets abused their office for personal gain. The priests and princesses sought out their own good. And Ezekiel told a parable about uh, two women who represented Samaria and Jerusalem, the capital cities of Israel and Judah respectively. Uh, Ahorla, uh, representing Samaria, prostituted herself literally and spiritually going after pleasures of the world and, and courting other nations. And so when she received God's judgment, her sister Aholaba, uh, representing Jerusalem, saw all that happened to her and she yet grew all the more corrupt herself. Both cities and their respective kingdoms had sinned grievously, and God would bring them down. So in the ninth year of Ezekiel's exile, the Lord told his prophet the final siege of Jerusalem had begun. He likened Jerusalem to a rusty cooking pot. Jerusalem's sin contaminated the land as a rusty pot contaminated the flesh that boiled in it. The death of Ezekiel's wife also proved a tragic sign to the people when God told Ezekiel 
not to mourn publicly. So just as God took from Ezekiel the pride of his eyes, so he would remove Jerusalem's pride and power in the sight of the people. So let's look at uh, the first section of Scripture, Ezekiel chapter 20, verses 1 through 4. And as, as we look at these verses, listen for God's two instructions for Ezekiel in carrying out God's directive. Verse 1, in the seventh year, in the fifth month, on the tenth day, some of the elders of Israel came to inquire of the Lord. And they sat down in front of me. Then the word of the Lord came to me, son of man, speak to the elders of Israel and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Have you come to inquire of me? As surely as I live, I will not let you inquire of me, declares the sovereign Lord. Will you judge them? Will you judge them, son of man? Then confront them with the detestable practices of their ancestors. So the fact that Israel's leaders or elders went to Ezekiel to inquire the Lord as uh, really wasn't surprising. Uh, this happened numerous times in the Old Testament. Uh, Jeroboam inquired, Jehoshaphat required, uh, King Benadad and Zedekiah, other other kings inquired of the Lord, but God didn't always answer, didn't always respond to their requests. And so as we look at these four verses, this prophecy was given. Uh, it's a very specific date in, in the seventh year, in the fifth month of the 10th day. So this was August 14th. 591 BC, almost 11 months after the last date given by Ezekiel in chapter 8, verse 1. So as in chapters 8 uh, and 14, the message was given to Ezekiel when some of the elders of Israel came to inquire the Lord. They again invite him to see if God has any new word to the nation. The elder's question is not recorded, but it must have been inappropriate because God refused to respond. In other words, he says, I will not let you inquire of me. The answer God gave was not a response to their question, but a review of their history. To, to find an answer, the people only needed to look into their past. Uh, the repetition of God's question, will you judge them, uh, conveyed his impatience with the people. And it, it has the force of a word like command. Judge these people is really what uh, God is saying here. Ezekiel was to confront them regarding the detestable practices of their fathers. The court was to be opened and the evidence presented. Ezekiel was to act as the prosecuting attorney and present the evidence against the accused. So Ezekiel often confronted the elders with sinful actions. 
they had practiced over the years, God was instructing him to do it once again. So the next section of scripture, Ezekiel 20 verses 5 through 9, we see some early signs in this passage. So identify words that point to God's faithfulness. In other words, how is God showing himself to be faithful? Verse 5, and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. On the day I chose Israel, I swore with uplifted hands to the descendants of Jacob and revealed myself to them in Egypt. With uplifted hand, I said to them, I am the Lord your God. On that day, I swore that I would bring them out of Egypt into a land I had searched out for them, a land flowing with milk and honey, the most beautiful of all lands. And I said to them, each of you, get rid of the vile images you have set before your eyes on, set, set your eyes on, and do not defy yourselves with the idols of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. But they rebelled against me and would not listen to me. They did not let, get rid of the vile images they, they had set their eyes on, nor did they forsake the idols of Egypt. So I said I would pour out my wrath on them and spend my anger against and, and spend my anger against them in Egypt. But for the sake of my name, I brought them out of Egypt. I did not keep my name from being profaned in the eyes of the nations among whom they lived and in whose sight I have revealed myself to the Israelites. So despite the children of Israel's rebellion, God was faithful to keep his promises. So as we look at these verses, when God's, when God sovereignly selected Israel to be his people, he bound himself. He attached himself to them as their God and protector. The first evidence of his faithfulness was his self-revelation to them. He revealed himself to them in Egypt. And with uplifted hands, he said to them, I am the Lord your God. This incident was at the burning bush when God approached the people's deliverer. The uplifted hand that's mentioned, we see that mentioned twice, was apparently a gesture used when one made an oath. And so why did God trace his selection of Israel only to the time of Moses? Was Ezekiel contradicting Genesis, which clearly uh, indicates that God selected Israel when he made his covenant with Abraham? No, Ezekiel was speaking of God's selection of Israel 
as a nation. So when God made his covenant with Abraham, the patriarch did not even have an heir as the next recipient of the covenant. So when the family of Joseph went into Egypt, they were only a small clan of nomadic herdsmen. But Moses' time, Abraham, but in Moses' time, Abraham's descendants had grown into a nation. Uh, God also promised, he promised deliverance from bondage, provision for blessing, and he assured Israel he would take her out of Egypt into a land flowing with milk and honey, the most beautiful of all lands. So in his grace, God asked the nation only to be faithful to him, to turn from the vile images and the idols of Egypt. The book of Exodus did did not detail Israel's religious life before the Exodus. But Ezekiel implied that it was a time of apostasy. But Israel refused to heed God's command. They did not remove the vile images nor forsake the idols of Egypt. This rebellion deserved judgment. So God was ready to pour out his wrath on them in Egypt. Yet... The wrath did not come. Israel was spared. Israel's being spared from God's wrath was not because of any goodness on her part. It was only because God's grace, because of God's grace and mercy. He did it, Scripture says, for the sake of his name. So the name of God expressed his revealed character. God's reputation among the nations was at stake in his covenant faithfulness to his people. So instead of giving the judgment, them judgment when they deserved, God gave deliverance. So let me read Ezekiel 24, verse 14. I, the Lord, have spoken The time has come for me to act. I will not hold back. I will not have pity, nor will I relent. You will be judged according to your conduct and your actions, declares the sovereign Lord. So God gave multiple warnings to his people to encourage their obedience. As God promised a bright future to Israel, he also called them out on their disobedience in two specific ways. He says, throw away abhorrent things that you prize and abandon the idols of Egypt. Two things to do. Get rid of those things that you prize. Get rid of the idols of Egypt. Now, in the third section, Ezekiel 20, verses 10 to 14, we see a repeated rebellion on the part of Israel. Note, Israel's 
return to rebellion and disobedience in the wilderness. So verse 10 reads, Therefore I, I led them out of Egypt and brought them into the wilderness. I gave them my decrees and made known to them my laws by which the person who obeys them will live. I also gave them my Sabbaths as a sign between us so that they would know that the Lord made them holy. Verse 13, yet the people of Israel rebelled against me in the wilderness. They did not follow my decrees, but rejected my laws by which the person who obeys them will live. And they utterly desecrated my Sabbaths. So I said, I would pour out my wrath on them and destroy them in the wilderness. But for the sake of my name, I did what would keep them from being profaned in the eyes of the nations in whose sight I had brought them out. So God provided the wandering Israelites what was required to be obedient to God. They needed a leader. They needed the law. They needed the Sabbath. So looking at these verses, Ezekiel traced Israel's history in the wilderness, discussing God's relationship to the first generation and then the second generation, the ones who would go into the promised land. The wilderness experience began with another outpouring of God's grace (laughs) by which he led them out of Egypt into the desert. Those listening to Ezekiel would remember hearing about the miracle at the Red Sea when God parted the waters for Israel and delivered them from Pharaoh's pursuing army. God did not rescue Israel only to abandon her in the heat of the desert. He saved her from Egypt so that he could set her apart for himself as his special nation. So the books of Exodus and Leviticus contain God's laws and statutes for his chosen people. God singled out uh, one of his laws, the Sabbath, as a visible manifestation of the Mosaic covenant. It was a sign to the Israelites that they were God's special people and were obligated to keep his law to remember the Sabbath. So instead of responding in obedience, verses 13 through 17, to God's gracious provision, the nation disobeyed and rebelled against his rule and kept on in their idolatry. God's response was the same as his response in Egypt. The people deserve to die. But for the sake of his name, God spared them. There was a temporal judgment, though. Those who had sinned were not allowed into the promised land. So only a few 
were allowed to enter the promised land, the this, this second generation, if you will. So throughout this text, God reminded Israel who he was. And the phrases re- repeat declaring what the Lord God says, the declaration of the Lord God in chapter 20, verse 3, uh, the fact that I am the Lord your God, chapter 20, verse 5 and 7. And so we we see that the Lord is speaking throughout this passage. There's some great ways to apply this to our life. Number one, God confronts unrepentant sinners with the truth. He makes his truth known. He confronts us with the truth. The second thing is God acts with mercy. For the sake of his name. We see that repeated often in today's lesson. And finally, repeated rebellion against God leads to facing his judgment. Remember, there was one whole generation of the children of Israel that were not allowed to enter the promised land. Repeated rebellion against God leads to facing his judgment. So as we close this lesson, thank God for his continued love and grace towards us. Even when we are disobedient, when we fail to follow his statutes and ordinances. I close with a song entitled, My Faith Has Found a Resting Place. My faith has found a resting place, not in device or creed. I trust the ever-living one. His wounds for me shall plead. I need no other argument. I need no other plea. It is enough that Jesus died and that he died for me. Pray with me. Lord, we thank you for your grace and your mercy in our life. In this Christmas season, in this Advent season, we are grateful for the coming of Jesus Christ to the earth. A tiny babe who grew to be the savior of the world. Lord, bless her. Bless us in these days. Keep our hearts in tune to you. May we share the good news of Jesus to all who will listen. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.